0: Executive Editor of Farm Equipment, welcome to Farm Equipment's Used Equipment Remarketing Roadmaps podcast. In this episode, host Casey Seymour of Moving Iron LLC talks with regular guest Aaron Fintel of 21st Century Equipment about supply and demand for used equipment and how the coronavirus continues to impact the market. Before we head over to Casey, I wanted to thank our sponsor, Volvo Penta, with a perfect combination of strength and versatility, Volvo Penta engines supply industrial operations with durable and reliable performance. To learn more, visit www.volvopenta.com. If this is your first time listening, you can subscribe to the podcast via iTunes, the Google Play Store, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, or TuneIn Radio. By subscribing, you're alerted when each new episode is released. Okay, let's get things going. Here's Casey and Aaron getting the conversation started with what they're seeing out there in the market.
1: On this episode of the Moon Iron Podcast, it's been a while since we've had a chance to reconnect here but i got aaron finnell back with us and we are going to talk about uh this whatever we come up with here mainly what's going on in the overall market what things look like so aaron how you been bud i have been absolutely fantastic that's great that is awesome Aaron's
2: working uh-huh. the farm is working work is working life is working there we go right on well i think that's uh it's a good sign
1: that everything's working
2: Hashtag it. <laughs> no, no, things are good. We, uh this is our uh, first year really spreading wings as wide as they go and taking on a lot of uh hay jobs and it's been working great. It really has. My oldest son, he was going to run rake, but other things came up. So we're kind of shorthanded, but brandy has uh done a great job running the swather and the rake and i've run the swather and the rake and the baler and we are uh we're getting her done so right now we're 100 miles from home and
1: that's it's kind of wild but it's working are you kind of like the john dutton of hey all right so let's talk about what's happening out there in the equipment business so nothing it's nothing just really I mean, well only nothing's happening is because there's nothing to happen with that's, that's yeah the, we got we got part, iron you know?
2: coming out of our ears <laughs>
1: yeah dear yeah. God somebody buy something <laughs> yeah Unfortunately, <laughs> I wish that was the case you know this 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 whole thing right here has presented a new a whole new problem that I would have never thought about in a million years you know but the same principles of used equipment still apply to what to what we see happening right I mean, it's, there's no there's no real difference. Like you're you gotta measure processes the same way.
2: That's how it should be. But it's not. Okay. Elaborate. It's not at all. And it's going to be a
1: shit snore. I think so. I think but I, I think there's the ones that are that are I think the dealers that are out there that have a really good process in place that, that really truly understand what it is that their washout cycle looks like and what their um, what their market can handle and what the overall market looks like and and you know tracking those trend lines that are happening if you're doing all that stuff you should be able to read the tea leaves pretty well knowing when the breaks are going to start being, are being applied by the market here's a crazy thing i don't know if so much really think that it's going to be this next splash that we see um, to the downside on the market, it's not going to be, oh my God, no one has anything. We're not buying anything. It's going to be, I think the demand that we see is going to stick around. Um, it might not be like it is right now, where it's a, it's a feeding frenzy in the first eight 8R tractor that pops up on the, on the lot. But I really think it's more of a, it's going to be more of a, as new supply catches up, all these things kind of take place and all these things are going like they're supposed to. And then finally, that supply and demand curve kind of come together. That's where the problem's going to be at, right?
2: You're right. I'm going to interrupt you right there, okay. even though you're the wizard and the boss. Here's, there, there's a couple problems oh. right off the bat. The demand is going to keep up, you know, maybe not at the, the fever pitch it is, but it is. It has to. There's nothing. We are a dealership organization known for a lot of combines. The wholesalers know if I need a combine, I'm going to call Fennel and see what I can accomplish because we got them coming out of our ears. We have hardly any. From 9,600 to 790, we have hardly any. We're a little heavy in one category, but we have hardly any, okay? And then you piggyback on that. Brethren Joe in his news conference the other day, all three of them had on their masks. It's mask, 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 variant, 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 blowing up. Mm -hmm. So, any hope of the factories being hammered down three shifts of eight? Here we go. We're going to build eight Rs, we're going to have them coming out of our ears. Not going to happen. I would like to sell somebody today, in August of 21, their brand new 2024 tractor. We, as an organization, we have tractors that were supposed to hit a lot of tractors that were supposed to hit in September, hopefully October, boom, late November. Yeah, I think that's a story, though. That's fix that the Rona is, now we're in like Rona...
1: and how are you going to fix it? Well, I think, I think what you see now is you have more companies that are gone. More people are getting vaccinated. That's number one. So that's going to change things. More people are, um, dude, everybody I know. And this, this is
2: weird. Okay. Of course it is. It's coming from me. Most people that I know on a, like, my friend, not a friend of a friend, or my family, not not your brother, that have gotten sick, were vaccinated, and, and it it it's, it's, and it's yeah. less symptoms, but they still got it.
1: Yeah. Well, it's a it's a flu virus, man. It's the same as getting the flu shot every year. The flu shot doesn't isn't going to guarantee that you're not going to get the flu, right? No,
2: but the flu shot doesn't have microchips, so
1: that's. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I think so. I think is I think two things are happening. One, I think the more people are going to get vaccinated, whatever. Okay, let's see that yeah. happens. Whatever that does, it does. But I think the other side of this too is the majority of the country and the world, for that matter, are kind of coronavirus out. You know what I mean? There's not there's not a lot of them that are out there sitting there saying, Hey man, I'm already, I'm ready to go back through a lockdown again. You know, I don't think that's going to, that's not the case. So I don't know. I, I think we will have to have something significant happen ha- to happen to, uh, to curb things. And right, right now, what's, lo- what's logging up on getting stuff production. It's not so much that they don't have the material to get stuff done anymore. That's not so much getting the, mean, the microchips, obviously, but I mean, it's not like I don't have the steel to put in my steel radials, right? Or I don't have right. the rubber to make a belt with, or I don't have the whatever to make the I don't have the leather to make the seat and all that kind of stuff. I don't have that kind of stuff. That's not so much. Yeah. It. It's okay, it's, but real labor. quick, labor surprise. Real quick. Yeah. The biggest
2: lose your mind problem in ag right now mm-hmm. is those microchips. Guess what? You can build a brand new AR without that microchip. You just have to drive it, <laughs> and that is not going to happen in today's world.
1: Yeah, no, I think I think you're. Uh, that's that's true. Yeah, there's some truth to that, but there's a. Uh, the, I
2: do get it for the data side. The receiver right. does a lot more than just steer the tractor. Right. You're that, collecting. That's what they, I mean. The data that
1: they're collecting that is, what is the most I important did. part of that. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's going to be a lot of guys out there that are going to, you know, someone had a conversation with someone the other day and we we're talking about GPS stuff and they were, they were a pilot and they were talking about something to the effect of all this data or all this electronics inside these airplanes. Now you're not really a pilot anymore. You're just someone in there making sure that, you know, the plane doesn't crash. You're not, you're not really yeah, they technically have, flying. They're like a mower. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, so they're just kind of sitting in there monitoring monitors, you know, and doing those kind of things. And and I think to some extent, there's probably some of that. That's probably happening on the farming side. That in, in 1972, there were a lot of straight lines that were that were planted that were uh, done by hay and not done by you know uh, by a machine doing that. But at the same time, even those guys that were the straightest straightest in the world were still overlapping rows and. You know, double planting yeah. and, and those kind of things. So I mean I, I get all that stuff, but it's it's the data that they're that, that's the big thing. That's what they're really truly really worried about. But it comes back to the labor issue. And that's what that's where the problem's at. There's there's more such a lack of labor, you know, that that we can't get stuff built, can't get stuff trucked, we can't get stuff, you know, all that kind of stuff. We fight how many how much how much time do we spend fighting trucking? Just oh, my God. from point A to point B, you know what I mean? And it's not because trucking companies are on strike, or they you know they want more money, or anything. It's just they they've got they've got fifty trucks and they've got fifteen drivers. So
2: right, there's no roadblock up on the cloverleaf, and the bears
1: are not wall to wall. No, they're not in the air either. So exactly. So yeah, it's it's going to be this 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 coming year is going to be pretty cool. I mean, it's going to be an interesting watch because you know with such high demand here, the same demand is ever around the world, right, for farm equipment and opening up those international lines right now are, are going to be, it's going to be even harder to sell stuff internationally, not because of any real lack of, well, lack of equipment going to be part of that. But the other side of it is, is that equipment is so expensive. By the time you ship it over there and do all the other stuff, it's going to be, it's going to be an investment to make, but the dollar has also made it fairly attractive to start hitting up some people overseas and start taking a look at that. But all that being said, man, there's not there's just not the equipment right now to, to go do that with. Right. You so brought up a good point about how combine levels and what that looks like and where you know where we are at as far as inventory goes. If you take a look at what's going around, there's a lot of people I talk to that are like, man, we have got a combine problem. We've got a lot of combines sitting around. And it's a it's a very odd scenario that for as many combines that are moving, we, we show the numbers here all the time. What that looks like, you know, for as many combines that are moving, for there still to be a quote unquote combine problem with we having you know just around ten thousand combines on the used pivot marketplace, that's uh that's that numbers like that's some stuff where you start kind of wondering about what does it overall what's that overall look like, you know, and and, and where does that grand scheme of of the overall customer, and what they're thinking about. I mean, where, who's buying all these combines if everybody has a combine problem? Here's where I think that comes from, Casey.
2: As probably most of the listeners know and everybody that knows us know, I, am, I, I love the combine world. That's why my, that's why my job exists, right? <laughs> if there was not a combine problem, I would not have a job. That being the case, I usually have a pretty good grasp about what's going on, or at least I really try to. So, with that being said, it comes down to if you have one combine or a hundred, are you truly willing to get rid of them? It's maybe there's guys out there that think. Well, everything's, you know, tractors are just absolutely batshit crazy. There's no receivers for the next 10 years. Combines are, they probably listened to that Casey Seymour fellow that a couple of podcasts ago said, combines are going to come up. And they're thinking, well, combines are going to follow that trend. And they you sir are right to a point. But that doesn't mean that everything you have is right. Oh, that's that's everything has a price. Okay. Exactly. I would love to be selling 780s for four and a quarter and running out
1: of laptop battery, but that's not the real world. So here, here's what I would say to that that thing. There's there's one thing, there's like the 10 commandments of of use equipment inventory, right? And and use equipment process, what that looks like. We well, you know, like your first, you know, first commandment is, you know, thou shalt price correctly to the market, right? That's number one Correct. thing, right? You got to make sure everything's priced right. Then you got to make sure that it's reconditioned correctly and you're, and you're reconditioning a piece of equipment based on what it is and not because your shop needs to work, right? All right. So you're actually pricing something in you. You've got these kind of things broke down and then you kind of keep going through these steps of what it takes to get there. And then you finally get to this one where, you have a stagnant thou shall not let their inventory become stagnant, right? Right. Right. You've 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 repriced it, you've taken new pictures, you've moved it from from your you know, ABC lot to your XYZ lot, and you've done those things and you've, you've moved things around, you moved it to the back of the light, moved to the front of the light. You've done all these stupid used car tricks all where you move it around so people think that it's sold in those kinds of Put
2: things. Put it on right? the
1: ramps. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> have it set sideways like a jeep you know all those things you know <clears throat> but the one thing i think that that customers know is how long they ever i think you go to ask any customer if they drive by your lot enough and they see something there they, they kind of roughly know how long you've had it Oh yeah. right um, yeah and, and online thing, even worse oh yeah absolutely like the picture with snow in it and it's july i nah, you've had that thing for a while <laughs> unless you live, well, in the we had that, we
2: that up on the Great Divide. <laughs> unless, Guy was
1: borrowing it to run his Moco. Unless you live in the panhandling and you, it can snow any time. So I mean, right. it, it can honestly do that, or that could be hail too. One of the two, it could be snow or yeah. So you could you could play that off a little bit. More but. likely, it's hail. More <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> likely, for more likely. But the one thing about that too is your sales guys also know how long you had that piece of equipment sitting there, right? And I'm a firm believer that you have, you have about nine months before something, whether it's, I don't care what it is before you, a sales guy loses interest in trying to sell that piece of equipment. And the reason for that is it's not necessarily because it has anything to do with, it's a bad piece of equipment. It's just, you know, victim of circumstance, you know, it's, it's been rented out during the peak selling time because the machine went down and the customer needed a loaner, or um, you know they had to rob parts out of it, which we've done a lot of. You know, robbing parts out of stuff, and we can't sell it. You know, so next thing you know, it's it's nine months old, it's twelve months old, it's you know fifteen months old, something like that. You need a sales guy, and I see something that's fifteen months old, and I'm going to sell it to a customer. I'd be a little bit leery of that just because I'm not for sure what, if it's been here. If it's such a good combine, why is it still here? It's priced right. It's got good pictures. It's clean. It's got good tires. It's reconditioned, right? It's got it's ready to go to the field.
2: I guess I'm in the right role in my life because my rebuttal to that would be: I will whore that out to the first guy who raises his hand.
1: That's the, <laughs> the difference between the difference between the buyer that you work with and then just your end user buyer at the at the dealership. Right.
2: Well, and I'm I'm getting at it either way. I'm just saying, hey, it's been here too long. It's a great combine. Here's here's what here's the number taken. Right. I don't matter who's on the other end. I don't care if it's thousand acre farmer or king of wholesale or exporter. Doesn't matter. I understand that. At at that point, this machine is this price. Boom.
1: Have at it. Yep, I, th- I think I think the difference between that and and me, the guy that's two miles down the road, right? The guy that's two miles down the road. If there's something, there's a extravagant issue that goes wrong with it, and whatever else. Not that you don't have to fight those fights because we fight them all the time. But oh, yeah. it's, it's a different kind of fight with the guy that's two miles down the road and goes to the coffee shop every day.
2: I'm right. I get you know that. I mean? that's, but that's, guess that's what? Little thing called the internet. Mm-hmm that this that we are doing and my world exists for it makes no damn difference if that guy is 6 inches away if they knew, if they want to trash you over something they can do it oh sure if they praise you over something they
1: can do it sure sure and i'm not I, that's not my point but the difference is that that the local guy your local sales rep no i right you know i mean, mean 100%. The sales rep is going to take a look at that. Because I've seen it happen so many times where that machine's the same machine is here for nine months and we've priced it to the marketplace. And the machine that's just like it came in, some relative hours, same relative specs, exact same price. And the one that's been in for two weeks sells first. Right. You know what I mean? So that's one of those things that I think is there's that stagnant, that stagnicity, I guess, if you want to, of, of equipment that that keeps popping up that guys have to go back in and and really think about what it is that they've got out there and then does a change of venue make a difference in, in what's going on you know so i mean i think you got to run through those processes in your in inside each one of those deals and take a look at because i mean it doesn't matter if it's a combine or a chopper or a tractor or whatever it doesn't matter i mean everything a baylor where all those things Kind of run into effect because even even bailing season as seasonal as it is, you still sell a lot of bailers in December. You know what I mean? Oh, so yeah. so a lot, a lot of bailers in 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 January. You know what I mean, and, and what they're doing, they're buying for the upcoming year. Man, that's exactly what they're doing. But or a tax thing or whatever else. So my thing with combines right now is, you know, guys tell me that you know things are going to get stagnant, whatever else. Even though I think combine demand is going to pick up i don't think the price is going to pick up any no i don't think the price is going to go from being this until they get to the point where they're like oh man there's only like we only have five thousand combines to pick from in the entire north american marketplace well yeah then you'll have some problems but by that time it's not going well you should you should have new ones hitting the ground they're going to fill those fill stuff back in
0: We'll get back to Casey and Aaron in a moment, but first I wanted to pause to thank our sponsor, Volvo Penta. To learn more, visit www.volvopenta.com. Now back to Casey and Aaron as they turn their conversations to the different kinds of used buyers and more discussion of how this current market can impact the washout cycle.
2: As as the new tightens up and thank God at some point in our, our adult lives, it's finally happened that it's a little tight on supply of combines. Thank God. You take the, I buy a two year old 780 every guy. Right now, he is that guy in 2012 or 11, we should say, that skipped his deal and bought new. Right. Just like the guy behind him. Right. But, because of the shortage, those guys are thinking, hit replay, or I can get a one-year-old, super low hour, okay? Mm -hmm." And just try to fill the, the front side guy who actually gets his machines, you know, fleets, whatever. Then you go to that next guy who, man... You know, finally, we can jump back to new. But there's way, 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 way less of that from both of those guys this time around. The problem is the first guy wants the 250 set. So does the second guy. So does the third guy. Right. So it's like the 500 plus set that no matter what it is, fantastic machine, might slow down a little bit. right? And that's the other side of that too. And to your point, Casey, it doesn't make them worth anymore. When you get to that highest dollar hanging on your balance sheet machine in the dealer world, you now have three guys instead of one guy after that combine. Doesn't mean it's worth more. God bless. It is not worth more, but you have, a way, way better chance of
1: flushing it down than two years ago. Right. No, I agree with that. No, I think there's there's some, some valid point you made there. But I think I think the biggest thing too is like you and you hit on it right there. That's the important part of this is that you've got to understand where your hang up's gonna be in that in that washout, right? Like First, second third trade buyers they all they all want 250 separator hours right so when you when you get above when you hit 500 that's when you start really things start really slowing down and when you hit 750 they even get slower you know what i mean so uh, that's really where you're at and i don't know how many conversations i've had with with uh friends of mine from around the industry about 1500 hour combines oh yeah I mean, they're a lot. I'm like, man, you know, he's going to go ahead and run it through this season too, so the time does anyone gets, to know? They'll have about 1,800 on there. Like, god dang. Man. So I hope you're talking engine hours, not separator hours, because that's... <laughs> there's a bunch yeah. of those <laughs> laying around out there, Yeah, you know? and I hope that is five digits, not six. Oh, right. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, you know, <clears throat> but I will say, if you look at auction values of those machines that have been thick, like we've talked about, but thousand of 1500 $1, hundred dollar machine they have they have come up in value a little bit not a bunch not a whole bunch but right. you have seen you have seen some um definitely seen some some movement there um uh that have that have gone um in a direction where you're definitely going to see more machines um kind of start to settle out there's not that volatility they're kind of starting to kind of normalize a little bit right right so seen that out there more than anything and
2: what that is it's just as you, you the master of used equipment <laughs> it's just you take that downward flow down 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 now personally where i think the biggest hiccup is currently is 50 60 series combines okay elaborate okay a i would be hard pressed personally to find a 50 series combine that i would put more
1: than 1510 in 15 15000 or 10000 right okay 10-15,000. Right. okay All right
2: the amount of combines you will get traded in at that point Whistle in the wind because <laughs> there's all kinds of holes in them. But if you want to move that combine, that's your number on on a, on a fifty. I mean a, and I'm talking worst case scenario,
1: Casey. Spreader, yes, that's a good, that's a good point. Right. The, so okay. think about this. So think about when the ninety seven seventy combine came out. The seventy right. series combine came out. At that point, you were. Yeah, sixty fifty. Then you went to ten series, and then you went to the off series, right? right. I still remember when the like two thousand nine. We were still putting like twenty six or twenty seven thousand dollars, twenty eight thousand dollars in 9600s, 9, You know, we were right. forty five thousand dollars in um, ten series combines, right? So now, I mean, if you just go through the simple profit, and those all had, you know. 2000 to 3000 separator hours on them. You know what I mean? Like they had a bunch of hours. Now you now the 50 series is the same thing, right? And the only difference is now is that between the 70 series and the and the odd series combine, right? Capacity would definitely grew all the way up to 9770. Nothing right. like it grew between the 50 series and the and the and the 700 series. Right? right. Yeah, you No.
2: Yeah. And I get that. And you know what the culprit is? Who do we always like to throw rocks at on this
1: podcast? Each other typically, but
2: well, yeah. Or 12 and 13 oh, yeah. S- yeah. series
1: combines. Yeah. And they've made that's that's where your that's your relativity point in time, right? Exactly. And Wherever is measured from that sitting on the
2: auction market that day, that's and, your market. Go up or down from
1: there, right? And that's that's exactly right. I mean, if anything, that is a uh, that's kind of one of those things. Like I remember where I was at on that day, type of stuff, you know. <laughs> right? <Now>, yeah, you, know, <laughs> you know, it's just like that. It's a pivotal point in time that you know you have got these these machines out there, and they're they're the the things that you measure for X, Y, and Z. Right? Bam. Right. The, I the right. day
2: I saw a 2012 S670 under 2007 bring 50 i was here i was wearing this and
1: i remember watching that
2: time of day
1: i remember watching the first auction where i saw the 60 series a 600 or 600 series combine bring less than 50 grand wow we're there yeah (laughs) wow uh
2: Yes. I'm on, I'm on PTO for a couple yeah. weeks. I got to deal with this.
1: Yeah. We've, we've, we're there now. So, and uh, I think it's just so important to understand what, what it is that you've got going on. And right now it's kind of easy to get carried away with what you're doing. And I think you can right. do that. I think you can get carried away right now and, and do some for right, the right for eight, for the next, for the next 18 months. I really believe that you got 18 months to do some really gregorious things. That
2: I think you have 12 and you better at least pump the brakes.
1: Oh, I think about yeah, I was saying like 18 months and it's a hard, it's a hard stop. Oh, right. So, uh, so whatever you're going to do to get to that 18 months, you've got that's your time frame when you get to month 18, right? When you get to basically December of 23, that would be, it'd be 18 months from now, right? Yeah, so I'd be. Uh, uh yeah, just, yeah, just be pretty close. yeah, be pretty close. So basically December the end of 23, early 24, you, you really need to start taking a hard look at, at what you're doing and, and making sure that you don't, you're not the the ass out there. That's taking that, that, that last trade in that's uh you know, 50 grand too high because those that's going to happen. You're going to get caught. And it's you gotta be Well,
2: and that's what I'm saying. You get to next August, you better pull to the side of the road and check the map.
1: Yeah. But you I'm should, not, be, you should do that all the time. There,
2: but my God,
1: you better just double check what's going on. Yep, but you just should be you doing that all every things. day though. So I'm gonna write two articles for Equipment for Magazine that I'm I'm gonna put together I, I put together this still last month last month where I did uh basically it was a. Uh, the difference between a used equipment manager and a remarketing manager. Right. right. Yep. Thing to do. And I think there is. great order. Well, thanks. I think they have a lot of both of those terms that kind of tossed around, but I think there's two different things there. And when I look at it, I mean, if you're a used equipment manager, to me, you're managing used equipment. You're managing the flow of used equipment. You're managing the washout cycle of used equipment. You're managing the metrics that you're using to, to see if you're doing things right. You, you're measuring all those things. If you're if you're a remarketing manager, in my opinion, you're you're basically getting a piece of equipment ready to remarket, right? You're ready, getting ready to sell. You're pricing, right. you are getting it through the reconditioning process, and you're making sure that it's where it needs to be at when it needs to go out and sell it. Most recondition or most reconditioning manager, most remarketing managers are going to be folks that also probably sell a lot of used equipment as part of their job, right? Right. Not that used equipment managers don't sell a lot of equipment, because I mean they dabble in that a little bit, but they're spending a lot more time on the management side of understanding what's going on. And you know, a month sixteen and a month eighteen, I need to start looking at pumping the brakes more because here's the trend lines I see developing. You know, right? That's that's the big difference I think I see. Kind of one thing I've kind of come to a realization about as I kind of thought about that a little bit because. You need to be measuring things all the time. You've got to be measuring what's going on in the auction market. And that's not just watching a, watching the auction and what happens there. I mean, you can watch all the auctions you want to. In my opinion, watching them on the internet is going to it in person and watching it. You get a hell of a lot more out of it than you do watching online because you get to you get see body language for every yeah. piece. Yeah. You see how long it takes. because. <clears throat> On the internet, you don't really get a feel about how how long it's taking to get the next bid. You can hear right. the hand, you can hear the cry, and everything else, but you don't you don't see the guy staring at his boots that just raised his hand, you know, two bids ago, or you don't see the guy walking away because you know it's now he was high bid, now he's not, and he's not going a, a, a dollar higher type of thing. You kind of watch that stuff. You can see those things happen. That's why I like going to to live auctions, man. It's I hope this. Coronavirus thing doesn't take that away. I hope that's something that we right. see more of because there, there's a like Sullivan's. They do a great job of of the online side and the in-person side and kind of smashing those together and really bringing those two things together. But they haven't had that I'm aware of anyway. I could be wrong here, but I don't think they've had a live auction for well since the shutdown. Yeah, I think you're right. You know, and
2: I think you're right. Talking to a, Zach, just couple weeks ago i think that's what he said
1: yeah so it'll be interesting to see and we're seeing more of that we're seeing more live auctions come together like stefus has had a few and you know there's getting to be more and more of those live auctions as things come together right. an online auction is significantly cheaper to do than, than a uh than a in-person auction but suck. Su- they do suck they're, they're not they fun suck, dude
2: yeah. i i want to i want to get a hot dog and yeah Wear coveralls and be yeah. freezing to death just to not get a damn thing bought because it all
1: brought too much. I wanted that fifty cent cup of coffee that's just kind of warm brown water because it's cold outside. Right. Yeah you know I mean that's what I that's what I'm looking for.
2: Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> we we made a gallon of Folgers with just five scoops.
1: <laughs> yeah. So I think I think that that particular side, but back to my statement here, you know. You've got to be measuring stuff all the time. You have to right. be paying attention to what's going on, and you know, watching those processes work and, and and how they all come together is. If all you're doing, if all you do is you're you're caught up in the, you know get get the trade value and you know get get the trade value get the trade and all you're doing is put trade values on stuff every day. It's going to be hard for you to go back and take a look and make sure you understand what's going on. Unless you can disconnect yourself from that for a minute and really dive into what's going on. Yep. It was easy for me to do that because I'm a data nerd and I like to to do all this kind of stupid stuff. Correct. (laughs) (laughs) But but the other side of that, the flip side of all that is the evaluation of of equipment was, was something that I, I don't want to say it's something I hated to do because that's not true, but it wasn't something I look forward to every day. You know, right. It was, it was the, the part of the job that was the most important part of what I was doing. It just wasn't the, the funnest part of what I was doing in, in my, whereas brain. In my brain,
2: that's the best part of that
1: job. Exactly. So that's, that's the biggest difference in, in the person that you're looking at when you start really paying attention to what's going on in, in that, in that role is who do you have and what do you got? And then how can you better support, you know, those things around there to make sure that you maximize strengths and, you know, mitigate weaknesses as much as you can. Right. But so that's great, that's crazy thing. So I'm very interested to see what happens here in December. There's a lot of stuff coming. up. This December is going to be kind of cool to see what happens with, with auction values and retail values, especially because this is going to be an odd year that obviously I think there's going to be some guys that have tax money they got to get, get spent and those kind of things for an end year. And there's going to be a lot of guys buying – 15 hay rakes because that's what they've got to pick from, you know, I've got, I got 30 grand, I got 80 grand. But not
2: good rakes because the good rakes are all sold out
1: too. Yeah. So it'll be, that's why I think combines are going to be such a high demand because that's going to be your choice. Mostly. I think mostly your choice is going to be combines. Oddly enough, no, no one's told me that they don't have any, that they have a combine head problem, right? You'd think typically if you have 80 combines sitting around, you've got, 80 to 100 heads and, and that's not what I'm hearing. I'm hearing heads are heads are like crazy short. I know. I don't think there's enough heads. For my god. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if it's an 08, 612, a 1290, a blue
2: 1293, yeah, or a 2021 718 that was technically a demo last year, type of head, they're
1: all gone. Yep. Every one of them. And that's the most, uh, that's the most shocking, most shocking thing, too. Another thing, too, is you've started looking at some of these shoreline ends, too. We've talked about that a little bit, too, that grain carts and riders right. and bale movers, those kind of things, they're starting to, starting to pile up and those kind of things, too. So, plenty of stuff to pay attention to. And there's a million things going on that can lead to some big problems. So, if you're using well, a okay. guy listening to this, make sure. I ordered
2: a new flatbed in January. Mm hmm. And since May 1st, every six weeks, we're told every six weeks.
1: Yeah. I ordered a, I don't even know where I even ordered it from now, but ordered a, uh, a drag that you drag behind like a four wheeler. Oh, right on for the, for the church parking lot. So we can keep the, the yeah, Yeah. Well, it's, it's just like a, it's like a drag harrow more than anything. Oh. Just like a chain harrow, but it doesn't have the, the herald spikes. It's just like a chain. Right. You know? Right. And, um, we ordered that in March of 20. We still haven't got it yet. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> and then we're talking about a, you know, four foot wide. Right. You know, two and a half, maybe three feet or four foot long, two and a half or three feet wide. Right. That you set cinder blocks on and you drag it out a four-wheeler. Right. It doesn't require a single microchip. <laughs> we
0: still haven't, still haven't got it.
2: But it requires a workforce who can be there and have to worry about all the other shit.
1: Yeah, exactly right. So, yeah, it's a very, um, very odd time that we live in. And you, I'll say it again, you've got to pay attention to what's going on. Because as as much as fast as this ramps up, it will be faster going down. And Uh-oh. it's, it's every, like that every time. So, just... Hey. Yeah. Not even overnight. It'll be from like supper to dessert. Right. If you've, if you've done, you know, you can't, you know, the old saying you can't um, drink all day if you don't start in the morning. Right. Right. I've done it. Right. And it it works. It's a fun thing to do. It's, but when that wears off at about, you know, nine 30 or 10 o'clock at night, that's not fun. Right. (laughs) You got to stay, you got to stay on top of that to keep riding that train. All the way through. So sure. just make sure you guys I will I'll say it in a minute, whether you're in the equipment business and you're selling equipment or you're buying equipment, you've got to make sure you know what's going on and what stuff is worth and, and yep. how to make sure that stuff's going. And to be honest with you, there's no better person on the planet earth that you should be trying to call right now than Aaron Fennel. So Aaron, what's the best way to get a hold of you if you if people want to get a hold of you and talk to you about equipment?
2: Well, I tell you what, call me, text me, 308. 308- 760 1193, or I am on Twitter at Aaron Fintel. So there you go, right on. And Three different, Casey- hammer KC. down.
1: Yes, some. Well, I'm Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. You can check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. That's where you're going to find the latest editions of the Moving Iron Podcast, as well as any blogs I have posted will be there as well. Also, go to Moving Iron LLC, and you'll find the entire library of everything that is Moving Iron. So, whether you're listening to podcasts, want to read blogs, or if you want to um, just see what Aaron Fennel looks like, go to the Moving Iron podcast contributors page, and boom, you'll see him right there. And will to see what he looks like. There he is. <laughs> yeah, shouldn't have done that. And... The other thing, too, is Moving Iron Summit's coming up. That's pretty well sold out. Um, not a lot of sp- – I don't think we have any space left, to be honest with you. So check that out. If you're still interested in coming to that, I might be able to find some way to get you there. Uh, just, you know, hit me up at Moving Iron Podcast, movingironpodcast.com, and I could uh, see what I can do for you. So with that, I'm Casey Seymour with Aaron Fennell. Let's go be smart folks.
0: Casey and Aaron and thanks to Volvo Penta for sponsoring the podcast we've got even more used equipment remarketing resources that we're sending your way in addition to this podcast we're also tapping into Casey's expertise across all our informational channels find more from him in the print magazine and on farm-equipment.com ask and you can keep up on the latest industry news by registering online to receive our free newsletters visit www.farm-equipment.com For Casey and Aaron, as well as our entire staff here at Farm Equipment, I'm Kim Schmidt. Thanks for listening.